Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the OmniTalk Ask and Expert Series. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Amanda Zenga. And we are the founders of OmniTalk, the fast-growing retail media outlet that is all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Or as we like to say, and to start 2023, the media company that focuses on tomorrow, today. That's, that's what we say. That's what we say every time and every time. It gets you going. All right. Today, we brought back one of our favorite guests from last year to discuss the future of retail customer service. So please join Ann and me in welcoming Antonio Gonzalez, the head of industries research and insights at TalkDesk, back to the show. Antonio, welcome back to OmniTalk. Hey, Chris and Ann. Thanks so much for having me back. I, I loved our last conversation last year, so I'm super excited to, to dive into another uh, another really interesting topic today. Yeah, we are too. That's that we were just saying, like, what a way to kick off, I think, the beginning of the year. We're going to talk about customer service and that core component to your retail business. Like, how are you going to set the year started off right? And so I'm excited. Yeah, me too. And to the, the thing I love about having Antonio on the show too is his work is steeped in research. Yes. And data and insights and talking to people about this topic, which is which is which is a great thing. Yeah. Because it sets the table really nicely for 2023, as you said. Yes. And I have to know that TalkDesk took questions that we had from our last session and incorporated them into the research and survey that they put out or that they they did last year that they just put out. So I I'm thrilled. That's cool. We're making content. We're making surveys. It's great. I know. I know. (laughs) Um, well, before we get into our discussion with Antonio, I just want to give a quick reminder to those of you who are listening and watching live on LinkedIn, make sure to put your questions for Antonio and the TalkDesk team in the chat field to the right, and they will be here answering questions um, as as you have them throughout the discussion. So with that, um, Antonio, I would love to, to kind of get started. You and TalkDesk recently released a, a new survey, which we mentioned on the future of retail customer service. What kinds of questions outside of the questions that we asked in our last session, what kind of questions were you trying to get the answers of as you put together this report? One thing that really kind of actually emerged in a lot of my conversations was this topic of of loyalty and of finding continued avenues for growth in an uncertain business environment and and figuring out the right right course to be charting through that. And so, you know, with this research, we surveyed three, uh, over 300 retail CX professionals worldwide to really just understand how their businesses were responding to this changing business environment, see how their priorities had evolved uh, in response, and then uh, understand then you know, what the impact was really going to be on their, their customer experience strategy and the investments they would be making, and, and really just get a sense of, you know, have priorities dramatically shifted? Have they just kind of shifted their flavor a little bit and, mm-hmm. and get a sense of what that future of retail uh, customer experience and customer service might look like going forward. Um, and, you know, through our research, we really saw, I think, an interesting validation of that uh, idea that cost reduction isn't necessarily the overarching priorities for retailers today. It was actually revenue growth that, that came up hmm. uh, as, as, the number one thing that uh, retailers wanted to accomplish through their uh, customer service software investments. And this aligned pretty well to some other research that I had been doing uh, internally with TalkDesk. Uh, We had been surveying um, customer experience leaders across industries and had been seeing that there was a greater focus on retention um, as opposed to 
new client acquisition. And I had been seeing this theme of retention um, coming up across different industries. And it was, it was, it was coming through in, in some of the interviews with, with retail executives that I've been having. And I think um, in the in the results of our survey, we also saw some strong, strong signs that, you know, there's there's just a a kind of a rethinking about the role of loyalty and how it can drive continued growth through maybe a more uncertain business environment. That's interesting, Antonio. Like I'm particularly fascinated by the fact that the people are still focused on revenue growth, especially amongst these times when, when a lot of times we're hearing cost, you know, cost focus coming into mm-hmm. play too. But, you know, for me, when I read the report and I encourage everyone to read it, if you get a chance and we'll try to put it in the notes too, if we can, um, there were two words that jumped out to me pretty wholeheartedly. And those words were interactive and unified. And in fact, I think I used those words in promotion of this event itself. So, so why those two words, what, what do those terms mean in the context of what you just said and why are they so important? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I set out to, with this research, it was really to understand what that future customer service would look like. And as the results started to speak for themselves, uh, you know, interactive and unified came out so strongly that they actually, uh, made it into the the title of the research itself, uh, which I realized I had forgotten to mention. Uh, the report itself is called "The Future of Retail Customer Service: Interactive and Unified." Nice. Um, and you know, in our research, we hypothesized that there had been a long-standing evolution of the aspirations of retailers and their customer service. You know, originally it was really focusing on getting a handle of volume of customer contact and and being able to respond to customer needs in a timely way and accurately and shifting from that to being able to really understand each individual customer um, query and and need and taking the time to get that response right and to you know focus on that first contact resolution Um, what we'd hypothesized and what we're seeing coming out through the research is that this is shifting. This is evolving even further, hmm. and I think what we're what we saw in the research is retailers wanting to build on this. So it's not just you know the main engagements are these one off you know responding to an inquiry as it comes in, um, addressing a need, but actually building on it um, so that it's part of a continuing journey and mm-hmm. ultimately tying together so that retailers are actually, you know, not just, you know, selling a product and addressing a, a, an issue or concern as it arises, but actually becoming a little bit more embedded in consumers' lives, helping them envision how a product actually fits in, anticipating which products they might need, making it relatable to them, um, and then helping them you know, address any any issues or concerns uh, about that before they necessarily arise. And so it's more of a, instead of a individual conversations, it's an extended engagement that's interactive and, uh, and it makes the, re, you know, retailers not just coming in and out of consumers' lives, but actually something that they think about as they think about their own lives and their aspirations. They think about how this retailer how a retailer might be fitting into it. It's it's kind of an ongoing dialogue, 
where exactly where the, the where the the conversation is a continuous thread. You're not picking up and starting the dialogue over and over again each time. You're not meeting somebody new on a date each time, mm-hmm. right? It's it's that you're starting that relationship, you're continuing it, and it's an ongoing dialogue. It might sounds like I'm, I'm am I paraphrasing you correctly there, Antonio? Yeah, you said it perfectly. I actually, what came to my mind when I was writing the research was it can't be like a 51st first dates type of situation. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's funny, really. That, that was what that's what you were thinking about. That's great. Exactly. <laughs> well, and Antonio, I mean, there's also got to be some work that can be done or or some um, some data, we'll say, that can be gleaned then on the, the retailer side as well that can kind of, like you you were saying earlier, can kind of anticipate what the needs of the customers might be so that they don't, you don't have to like have the back and forth as frequently either, that they're kind of using what they're learning from customer information as more of a tool versus just, you know, having that, locking it away, that case has been solved onto the next call. Is that the case or how have retailers been thinking about that? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, retailers, I think have been good about collecting a lot of data, but a lot of times haven't been that effective at meaningfully using it. And so sure. it's fully unlocking that and not just locking that data away, but actually pushing it forward, using it to anticipate future needs, thinking about maybe how a product might fit into that same consumer's life and bringing that to them, to their minds and, and through a recommendation. Well, Antonio, I want to drill a little bit deeper there too. I, I, you've mentioned a lot of, you know, retailers finding this as, you know, one of their themes for this coming year, or a way that they are going to continue to enhance loyalty to retain customers. What are some of the new, like, interactive ways that retailers are engaging those cust- with those customers that you found in the research? Yeah, yeah. So we we saw some really interesting signs that pointed towards kind of the contours of what this is going to look like. Uh, we asked retailers to uh, to define which uh, experience most clearly reflected the experience that they deliver to their consumers today, hmm. and which experience uh, best captured what they were expecting to deliver in two years. Okay. And uh, we asked uh, we asked this group, you know, do you? would you define it as being able to deliver ongoing interactive engagement uh, through next generation channels like metaverse uh, and AR VR? And the share of those who said they're actually doing that today was 12%, which is understandable. Okay, Um, right. (laughs) Next generation channels. It's something that a lot of retailers are just getting a handle and thinking about how how it would fit into their CX strategy today. But what was really surprising was that number was actually going to double in just two years to 24%. Really? one in four retailers are thinking about, you know, how to deliver this this type of ongoing interactive engagement, and they're also thinking about how these uh, channels like Metaverse, AR, VR uh, might be fitting into it, uh, which I thought was really striking. And uh, you know, where we saw the the shift in terms of the types of experiences that retailers are moving away from, we saw the biggest decrease in retailers who were saying that they were really trying to just aspire to be multi-channel, to be able to resolve for customer needs where they're happening to instead thinking about, you know, how do you make this a richer ongoing experience? Um, you know, incorporating these, these fundamentally new ways of, of engaging with, with consumers. What are some of the technologies that they're using to create those deeper, more engaging experiences? I'm curious what they thought. I, I immediately think of like, 
the chat GPT where it was like now GPT, right? now we have all of the like now the the modern consumer is more equipped or understands like the power of AI of other tools sure. in you know a customer service or a question and answer relationship. But what are you seeing or what have retailers been doing, Antonio? Yeah, when we looked at the the channels that they're planning on making their investments in over the next two yeah. years, uh, you know the traditional bread and butter channels, if you will, of, of customer service, phone, email, live chat, those are all staying steady or decreasing. Um, but what we mm. saw was a really striking increase in investment in um, specifically live stream metaverse and uh, conversational AI for customer engagement. Mm. Okay. Um, and I, I also do want to mention that a Substantial share of retailers, forty-one percent, also plan to be investing in video chat uh, in the next two years wow. as well. Wow, um, that's cool. So, yeah, yeah, and you know, video chat I think is just critical to being able to enable that meaningful rapport and collaboration between consumers and and customer service associates. You know, giving the benefit of visual cues, but also allowing, uh, you know, to be able to share. Uh, you know, what, what they're looking at, what they're holding, allowing for just a much richer depth of interaction and much richer data collection and capture as well, uh, being able to get at those qualitative aspects of interactions. Um, Antonio, I have a question on that too. I'm curious, in, and I don't know if you got at this in the survey, but I'm curious if potentially if you have any insight to this too. How are retailers attempting to do that? Like, are they taking a, a centralized approach to it, say like with Best Buy and their their virtual store concept where they're doing video chats through a centralized location, or they, you know, handling it more one-off through their store associates at the individual store level. Are you seeing anything in the data that tells you one approach is better than the other or more adopted than the other? Or do you even have an opinion on that? I'm curious. I, I wish I could say I had an informed opinion about that. Unfortunately, it, that's something maybe that we should work into our next survey because I think that's a, that's a fascinating question. Awesome. Well, there we go. We did it again, and potentially I know. give them fuel for the yeah. next survey. I, Antonio, what if you could just like speculate? Mm. I mean, I think that Chris's question is interesting to me because I think that it makes sense that I mean, forty-one percent is a high number, but it mm. makes sense That's that 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 many companies are considering this when you look at just how our world's transitioned mm. over the course of the last couple of years. And now right. video is much more involved in our day-to-day conversations. Right. We're not doing conference right. calls anymore. It's yeah. always, yeah. you know, Zoom or video right. calls. But what are, like, is, does that require an extra level of, you know, training or other things for the retailers? Because I have to imagine, you know, a call center in the past has been, you know, it's all on the phone. You can kind of come in. You don't know you where are. it is, right? You don't know where it is. Like, how are retailers thinking about turning on the video when you, or do you, do you have any way you could speculate on that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, in, in a lot of conversations that I've had, I've definitely, definitely heard a consistent theme that shifting to video is a meaningful, is a meaningful change in, right. in how agents and customer facing associates are interacting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it, uh, it allows for much richer interactions, but it also, there's, there's a lot of etiquette, um, mm-hmm. social cues, uh, that, that come into it. And it's, it's a very different type of job. I think, you know, tying to that kind of concept, I think of empathy that's coming more so into these customer facing jobs and being able to have a face-to-face conversation and not necessarily just an anonymous phone conversation where maybe you're pulling up 
some data on this person, but actually seeing them live as, as a human being. Um, and I think, you know, it's something that people, I, I would say everyone is capable of, but certainly requires uh, an additional level of training um, and, and tying, tying in maybe a different mindset about what you're trying to accomplish with the customer and thinking about kind of not just solving for that need in the moment, but having kind of an ongoing uh, ongoing um, dialogue, as you said. Mm-hmm. Hopefully people will be nicer when they're looking at people in the face instead of, yeah. you know, just somebody on the phone that they're yelling into. Maybe, maybe Is not. I, I've seen, a, I've, I've seen a lot of harrowing conversations at the service decks inside a store. So I'm not sure, sure. That, that that works in that way, but who knows, you know, maybe over time it does, but, but you know, the other, the point that brings up too from Ann's question, I think a good extension here is, you know, interact, you, the word interacting is always easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, yeah. so what are some of the hurdles that retailers are finding as they try to engage with customers, you know, through these new venues that you've described, whether it's video chat, metaverse, like what are the things they have to have top of mind that they need to overcome to be able to do it right and do it effectively? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think a little bit of what we touched on just now is one of the biggest things that, that retailers need to overcome uh, when, when we ask them the, the biggest barrier that they faced in achieving their customer service goals. Number one was finding and retaining a customer service staff with the, with the competencies and abilities to really be providing the type of service, um, you know, that, that retailers are looking to deliver. Um, and, you know, as, as I said, it's, it's a different mindset um, and requires, uh, I think, more it asks more of the customer facing associate than maybe was right. previous. Um, and, you know, that's really challenging, especially in retail and in the retail custom, uh, retail contact center where attrition is a particularly acute issue. And, you know, some of our previous research on workforce engagement found that you really need to be um, providing agents with the, the career and skill development um, that they need to be able to to be to be doing this right, and so I think retailers need to be providing agents with the conditions where they can really be succeeding at doing this, and then tying that to meaningful and impactful, um, you know, career growth. So, uh, showing them a vision of what you're trying to accomplish through this this richer, more interactive type of support, giving them everything they need. Um, so that they're not just relying on their own expertise, but also giving them the guardrails so that you can have them bring to bear the best of their abilities, but then also showing them a vision of, you know, where, where does this lead for them? What is the, what is the career growth for them? Um, And I think, um, you know, when we think about uh, the conditions from an enablement standpoint, you know, certainly it's bringing, to bear all of the relevant customer information into a single pane of glass. So they're not having to go look across nine different systems, which, you know, over zoom would be, you know, what you're actually seeing someone live Mm -hmm. growing, you know, that certainly wouldn't work. Uh, So putting it all together so they can just go to one place and have everything they need. Um, You know, having an AI overlay that is looking at that data, that analyzing, the the context of the conversation, tying it to past interactions, and bringing to bear recommendations for the right the right response, the right next next step that an agent should be doing. So it all flows seamlessly. Um, you know, I think 
that needs to be done in a, in a thoughtful way, definitely, because you don't want your agent just clicking a button, um, you know, doing what the system necessarily says. I've, I've heard of some horror stories of that actually happening, especially on social media, for example. But, um, you know, if you can provide the guardrails, provide live recommendations to make it just a little bit less cognitively taxing, um, you know, I think they can also bring a little bit more of the that kind of lively empathy engagement that is also necessary in those conversations. Um, and once you've kind of enabled the agent to be bringing their best there, you know, it you have to be also assessing assessing their growth and how they're doing. And I think interaction analytics plays a big role there, mm. um, you know, assessing the qualitative aspects of those interactions and using that, driving that to personalized coaching plans and development plans and not necessarily, not necessarily uh, positioning it as, you know, they're always being watched or that it's, uh, you know, uh, something they should be nervous about, but instead, something to their benefit that's going to personalize their development plan and help them grow into, uh, you know, into their, into their uh, career goals. And if that, you know, by helping address that retention issue, you're also building that expertise over time so that you also have agents that just have that experience to be operating within those guardrails to their best ability. And Tony, I'm curious too, like, you know, because the staffing shortages are real, right? And that's what you mentioned at the top of that answer. Like, what other assets are out there for retailers? Like, the, what comes to mind for me is you've got the brand ambassadors, the quote unquote influencers. Like, is that an untapped resource that people are looking to? Like, are you seeing anything in the research along those lines in terms of how their how retailers could activate that as a support base for what you're describing here? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think this, really? this ties. This ties a little bit, I think, to um, evidence for the consumer demand for having support and interactions that fit within the context of their lives, having having relatable uh, engagement and, and um, you know, being able to see how a brand can really fit into either their life or the life they aspire to lead. Um, and we're seeing that um, directly. Um, we're seeing that in in just the types of uh, resources that that consumers are really engaging with. And so, thirty five percent of retailers say that brand ambassadors are interacting uh, with their customers to assert to uh, address service needs or inquiries today. Uh, That's and thirty eight thirty five percent one in three yeah yeah and thirty eight percent say that you know uh, influences. Influencers are actually the top resource that customers want to be interacting with for service right. and support. And, uh, you know, that's really striking because it's not that much lower than actually the figures that we saw for customer facing associates, either contact center agents or, or in-store associates. And so it's, it's, I think it really shows that there's, there's an untapped resource there. And a lot of, a lot of, um, influencers and brand ambassadors are doing it today, but maybe retailers aren't quite thinking about how to enable it, how to scale it, how to do it better. 
Antonio, explain for me a little bit like what that means and for the audience too listening. Like, does that mean that, you know, if I'm an ambassador for Lululemon, like people are asking me, they want to be able to ask me like, is this supposed, is this waistband supposed to be up this high or are that like, how, what do, what do they mean by that a little bit? Cause I think I, I'm trying to kind of grasp yeah. what that, what, what service they're finding there. Cause 38% is a huge number. And then how do, how does that translate into like how the customer service person right. or, or influencer in this case is responding to those yeah. queries? Or are they asking like, how do I find the QR code to send this back? You know, like yeah. where, where does it begin and end? Yeah. 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 And I think there's, there's a wide range and it's, I, I would say it's probably not super well defined today. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on the brand. Um, you know, I think in all, all cases, there is certainly a substantial element of uh, product um, display, mm-hmm. uh, whether through posts or through live stream. Uh, as I mentioned, we're seeing a, a rapid increase in adoption of live stream among brands and you know, through live stream influencers or brand ambassadors can actually show the product, demonstrate sure. it, uh, and, and, and allow, uh, the consumer to sort of directly see how it could fit into their lives, mm. interact with that ambassador, have kind of that relatable experience, but also interact with other consumers as well and get their perspective and ask questions. Uh, so there's definitely that piece of just products demonstration, but then there's also yeah, meaningfully answering and addressing questions, uh, you know, not necessarily questions just about the product, but about whether, whether, uh, you know, questions about just how the product might work for them, how it might, how it might really look when it's actually being used or how it might fit in. So a little bit more, uh, relatable recommendations. Um, and Please go ahead. That gets back to what you were saying too earlier about incorporating video in, I would assume, into that interaction. Like, how are you able to, you know, if live stream and and the posts that they're seeing from these influencers are how they want to be, you know, interacting with brands that that would make sense then that you introduce some element of that into the the customer associate interaction. Oh yeah, totally. I think, I think it's, it's, you know, as brands are thinking about the types of uh, uh, consumer engagement uh, enablement that they're providing to their their employees and associates. They should also be thinking about what can they be equipping influencers and brand ambassadors with. Can video play and video chat play a role here? Uh, what are some other uh, some other capabilities that they might be needing? For example, you know, uh, avenues for escalation if if, a, if an issue is something that they're maybe not equipped to answer. Helping them not just say. Um, you know, we, you know, I, I'm sorry, I don't have an answer for that. Please reach out to the company, but actually directly escalating that and, and tying that in. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it especially is interesting to me too, because that introduces another element of the information collection, another channel for information collection and gathering. And so yeah. I, I'm wondering, you know, we talked right. about this a little bit at the beginning about the title of the report, but understanding how to make these experiences more unified for the customer. Um, how, like, how are retailers trying to do that when you now have a channel that's, you know, a social channel, you have the calls, the emails, the interactions in store, what are retailers doing to kind of address those gaps? Yeah. I mean, that's hugely challenging. Uh, yeah. We saw mm-hmm. evidence for 
pretty substantial gaps. Eighty-six uh, percent of retailers that we uh, inter- that we surveyed uh, reported that their existing customer engagement channels are less than fully integrated, and as they're adding on more channels, this of course is only becoming more of a challenge, and they 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 really. Um, impede the ability to have that kind of complete singular view of the customer across their relationship with the brand sure. and increase the probability of having a, a 51st state type of uh, experience. <laughs> and so, you know, there's a costly investment being made in these new engagement channels, but it's not going to have the, the, the ROI that brands are hoping for if they are not meaningfully tied together. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're resulting in, in more frictions, in frictions that whose costs outweigh the benefits from these new types of experiences. Um, and I think there's definitely gaps in the types of data that are being collected mm-hmm. uh, that need to be addressed both in existing channels and in these new channels that are being invested in. For example, uh, you know, a lot of this interactive engagement, I think, it, it ties into being able to understand the consumer um, on a more, you know, across uh, a richer array of dimensions, including emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, but 79% of retailers said that they weren't collecting data about customer sentiment. That's um, unreal to me. That's- yeah. And what does that mean? Customer sentiment? Yeah. Like- uh, customer Sorry, sentiment. So, yeah. So it, it, it's capturing not just what they're saying, but some of the emotional dimensions behind oh, it. Okay. Uh, capturing things like frustration, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Anger, fatigue, maybe, okay. or or even um, you know, in the case of, of what we're talking about with agent enablement and personalized uh, recognition and recognition, you know, if a, if a consumer is having an excellent experience and things are going really well with an agent, that should be captured as well and and, and recognized and rewarded, and that's just not really happening today. Mm-hmm. Um, and even even when data is being collected, because I recognize that you know there are other dimensions of data, and a lot of retailers are doing well in capturing it, but maybe mm-hmm. not using it to the fullest extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing that it's a lot of times being siloed or mm-hmm. not being fully leveraged. Fifty-seven um, percent of retailers that we surveyed said that they weren't using data personalized uh, future customer service interactions. So. Again, a huge impediment to this idea of interactive support. Makes yeah. sense though. It makes sense. Like they're focused on using personalized data to upsell, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. when you're on a website or something like that, they're not, they're, the retailers probably aren't in the frame of mind yet to use data to personalize the customer service experience in the moment, especially in real time. Because you think about a lot of that stuff, even on the website is is not necessarily real time. It's you did this before. You, yeah. Yeah. Check. But you looked at this before you want to buy this now. Yeah. Right. And that's a lot harder mm-hmm. of a dynamic inside of a customer service conversation. So, so I'm curious, like what if, I mean, sounds like a hard nut to crack. Like what advice do you have then Antonio for how people can get a handle on their data and better integrating their data to create a more unified experience, bringing this back home? Yeah, I mean, I think I think what you just said touches on one of the first things I'd recommend. A lot of times that data is being used for up sales. A lot of times it's being thought of as a as a tool for marketing, but not necessarily something that can uh, that can um, enable better customer service. And I think while there's probably recognition among leaders, there isn't necessarily that 
action being taken. And I think that goes to a little bit of a mindset shift and a cultural mm-hmm. shift of thinking about uh, thinking about data first, but then also letting letting the data guide leadership decisions as well. Um, looking at what cons- looking at evidence of what consumers are saying they want, um, and then using that to drive decisions. Um, so I think I think there's just um, you know easier said than done. I think is a massive understatement there, but I really do think that it's rethinking how data is being used and rethinking uh, how decisions are being made in response to data. Um, but then on a on a more practical um, set of steps, I think there's, you know, a necessity to be piecing together these different customer engagement point solutions that have often uh, defined investment strategies in the past. Mm. Um, You know, not just thinking about getting a best in breed for a specific need for a given fiscal year, but actually thinking through how, what are the broader set of capabilities that are necessary and how are those what are they likely to look like in the future and thinking about investing in, in platforms in that way or thinking about overlays that can be tying together um, these existing different solutions because I recognize for a lot of retailers, it's not feasible to necessarily be replacing them all, but thinking through, well, how can these new capabilities piece together all these different disparate parts and have the data flowing together? Um, and I think there's also a big component of mapping mapping what these interactive customer journeys could look like and thinking through the types of data that are going to be necessary to to drive them and putting in place the the analytics the interaction analytics that are going to be capturing that data real time um, and and figuring out where it should be driven what uh what information should be going to the agent um, and what they should be doing with that uh, well, thank you, Antonio. That was wonderful. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about what their gap looks like and how they could be doing better with their customer service solutions. Um, they want to learn more about TalkDesk. What's the best way for them to do that? I would say, you know, feel free to connect uh, directly with me on LinkedIn. Uh, if you'd like to just learn a little bit more about the research or just continue the conversation. Um and although I myself won't be present, uh, my wonderful colleagues will be uh, celebrating National Customer Service Day on January 17th at NRF. Uh, if, uh, we'll be having a, a big purple interactive booth uh, if you'd like to come by and just learn more about TalkDesk uh, and join our celebration. There will be uh, cupcakes, uh, massages, and prizes. Uh, so as I mentioned, I'll be... The last day of NRF, you're giving away cupcakes and massages, Antonio. You don't need much more convincing for me. I know. I I honestly, I wish I wish I would be there. You wish you were going, huh? Yeah. It's hard to believe it. God, NRF is like like three days away, four yeah. days away. Like yep. it starts on Sunday. It's nuts. But uh, but yeah, man, thanks for joining us. Um, that wraps us up, I guess, Ann, right? Mm-hmm. So thanks to talk to us, Antonio Gonzalez, for sitting down with us today. And for all of you that joined us on LinkedIn and posed your questions and engaged with the content. And as always, on behalf of all of us here at Omni Talk Retail, don't forget, be careful out there. <laughs>